Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. The second time he's coming, he's coming to execute judgment of people who continued all through the seven years. Not interested, not interested, not interested, not interested. Now, you know this, but I think it's encouraging to see it again. Jesus' first coming brought humankind forgiveness, if they would accept it. His second coming will bring judgment to those who continually refuse to even be interested in anything about Jesus. Lots of people have trouble with the Christian God because they don't get the idea of an all-loving God who also judges. They think, incorrectly, that one of those characteristics somehow cancels the other one out. This thinking shows that they don't really understand the character of God as he's revealed himself to men. Pastor Mark, in his teaching about the Great Tribulation, will show you how these two sides of God's character work. You'll hear about God's giving mankind chance after chance to turn to Him, with mankind continually rejecting God's call to repentance and to receive eternal life. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 as he continues his message, The Second Coming of Christ and Armageddon. See, there's a difference between the rapture and the second coming. He comes in the air. And when he comes in the air, there's a trump that sounds. And what happens next? Every Christian goes what? Whoop! And where do we go? In heaven. So we can say what? Hallelujah. You got it. Now, who goes before us? People that are Christians, my mom, my dad, my brother, have already passed away. They're absent from the body, present with the Lord, but their old body is down here. And it joins them. They get to go first. Remember we told you why they go first before us? Because they're six feet under. Now, when that happens, they go and they're, we're going to join them as family. Could, can I hear an amen right there? We're going to see our loved one. So that's the rapture. After that happens, what starts? The tribulation. The seven years of the Antichrist ruling. He is revealed. The Antichrist is a human who's empowered by Satan himself. And we have the unholy trinity starting there. And then all of these things, first three and a half years are kind of good. By the way, this has not happened yet. It will happen. And then he kind of, the Antichrist, allows the Jewish people to rebuild their temple, which they've never been able to do since 70 AD. And they build it. And they're excited. Wow, this guy's fantastic. And this is our Jesus. Remember, Antichrist against Christ take his place. The problem is the Antichrist goes into the Holy of Holies where only the high priest could do. And here's what he says to the world. I'm God. You will worship me. 
Well, the Bible says you can't have any other gods before us. So he's going to have problems. And the Jewish people go, whoops. We missed Jesus the first time. We've been deceived this time. Now, when that continues, at the end of the tribulation, the last three and a half years are very difficult because of all of that. And we've talked about it. We'll see it today. God's wrath coming on the... Now, remember, when we talked about God's wrath, it sounds strange versus God's love. I don't have time to go through it today, but remember, he loves us, and he keeps us saying, please come to me. Please believe in Jesus. Please do this. Now, here's what you need to understand. There's a place when God says, enough is enough. In Genesis, it tells us there'll come a day when God's spirit will no longer deal with sinful man. Now, you wouldn't ever want to cross that line. I don't know where the line is for anybody, but you don't want to cross it. Because what God is saying is this. Look, I've tried. I've given you the gospel message. I've spoken to your heart. My spirit has asked you to become a believer. Get yourself saved. I want to spend eternity with you in heaven. But man keeps saying what? No, 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 no. And there comes a point when a man and woman's heart gets so hard, God finally says, have it your way. I'm not dealing with you anymore. I've been very patient with you. You say, well, that sounds terrible. No, that's a great God that keeps giving us over and over an opportunity. So what's going to happen in that tribulation? God's going to come back with his wrath during those seven years. Now, what's next? This is this return of Christ. Now, this is very different. He comes to the earth. And you're going to see who he comes with. He comes and his feet are actually going to be on the earth. And that's where the war will start. Many battles, that's exactly where it starts. Now, when he comes back there, it's very, very different. He promised to come back there. So here's what John sees. The heaven is open, and Jesus is getting ready to come back. And he begins to then tell us in the rest of this all the different things that are going to be. Now, remember what he said in that verse. He said Jesus was faithful and what? True, faithful and true. Well, that should sound familiar to you. That's what the nature of God is, faithful and true. Aren't you glad God's been faithful to you and me? Wow, think about that. Now, the Antichrist is the opposite. He's unfaithful and he's false. And that's why Jesus is coming back. Because the world has been in rebellion against God. We see heaven open and there's a rider on the horse. Who is that rider? It's Jesus. Just as promised. Now look at verse 12. His eyes are like blazing fire. On his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. What John is talking about, Jesus' fiery eyes symbolize one thing. Jesus sees everything. There's nothing hidden No thoughts, no secrets that Jesus doesn't know. Now, that applies to us today. You know, sometimes we'll say, well, I don't think my wife will ever know about this. No problem. Or my husband won't know or my boss won't know at work. You might fool them. You're not going to fool anything with God. He's all-knowing. Jesus is all-seeing, all-knowing, and therefore he has all the information necessary to judge properly. Wouldn't you like... In our court system today, if Jesus was on the stand, think of all the lawyers that pay big bucks 
to lie about what happened. And what did we do? Okay, you killed 48 people. You're free. Have a nice day. Our world is ridiculous. Why? Because who's leading it? The liar, the deceiver. But when Jesus comes back, he'll be faithful and true. And his eyes know the heart of every single person. You can't put anything. I can't put anything over God. He understands this. Now, the crowns indicate something. His magnificent rule that's coming when he establishes the kingdom and his sovereignty. He knows absolutely everything. Now, when you think of those crowns on his head, when Jesus came the first time, is very different. Here's the two Jesuses. What is the lamb? What does he have on his head? The crown of thorns. That's his what? First coming. He was a lamb. John the Baptist said it like this when he met his cousin. The lamb that takes away the sin of the whole world. He's not coming that way a second time. He's coming like a lion. You see, when you see that picture, you can see heaven open. And here he comes as a warrior on a white horse, which symbolizes victory. The first time he came, he came as a lamb. The second time he's coming, he's coming to execute judgment of people who continued all through the seven years. Not interested, not interested, not interested, not interested. Now, you know this, but I think it's encouraging to see it again. Jesus' first coming brought humankind forgiveness, if they would accept it. His second coming will bring judgment to those who continually refuse to even be interested in anything about Jesus. See, the righteousness of God demands that ultimately evil must be judged and defeated. I was thinking about people that just say, not interested, not interested. I got up early this morning, a little before seven, actually about six, had a little breakfast, then I walked outside. Sun really hadn't come up much, and I see all these clouds, and I'm going, man, I'm ready to go right now. But then I started walking through the neighborhood, and there was nobody really up. And I saw a house here, and I know the people, lovely people in our neighborhood, just great people, do anything for you. Not interested. Two houses down. Not interested. Not interested. Not interested. Not interested. You exactly know what I'm talking about. That's not condemnation. Breaks my heart. We've invited them. Sometimes they came to church, never came back again. Well, I can't change it, but God can change it. But he's coming back to settle to people like say, not interested. I'm not interested in God. And we have to be alert to that and pray for our neighbors. As I walked, I thought, wow, really? They don't know. They don't get it. You know, most of the world, the things I'm talking about right now, they're clueless. That's why we teach the word of God. It's all truth. It's not me. It's God's word that's here. Now, in case you don't know this, this is Jesus coming back. Here's three major reasons he's coming. Number one, to judge the enemies. If you're not for God, you're against God. That's what the New Testament tells us. Second, to set up his earthly kingdom. And you'll see what that looks like in a moment. And after that, there's going to be heaven on earth, not exactly, but close, for a thousand years called the millennium. 
Now look at verse 13. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. In his name is the word of God. Now Jesus' robe is covered with his enemy's blood, and this speaks of the judgment that's going to come. The pending death of all of these people on the earth who just go like this to God. Not interested. Get out of my life. Quit bothering me. And most people believe that blood on him, his robe, is speaking of the judgment that's when he gets to the earth. And you'll see what that looks like in a few moments. Other people believe it's maybe the blood on his robe representing he shed his blood on the cross. I think coming here, the first one is much more accurate, but don't worry about that. He does come in judgment and pending death for these enemies. Now look at verse 14. The armies of heaven were following him. So he's on the horse and the armies of heaven. Who are the armies of heaven? Number one, they're angels. Who's the second group? Okay, the altar call's getting better. (laughs) Who's the second group? Are you going to be following Jesus on a white horse? Okay. Now, so the armies of heaven are believers and some angels. You're going to be riding. And we're following the king of kings and the Lord of lords. This is not a story. This is not an illusion. We are going to be riding a horse with Jesus. And we're coming to earth to get things right, get a new kingdom set up. It's going to happen to you. I know what some of you are saying right now. Pastor Mark, I don't know how to ride a horse. (laughs) I know, I know, been there. But let me just give you an illustration of what I'm thinking about right now. Well, how can I say this? My wife was, before we got married, obviously, she was a teenager. Her uncle lived in Ohio. We lived in suburbs of Detroit. And her uncle had a horse. So she was a horse girl. And she just loved riding horses and all that. We get married. I didn't know that was one of her loves of her life. The second one was a cat. I'm not even going there. (laughs) By the way, they won't be in heaven anyway, so it doesn't matter. Let's go. (laughs) Let me me move on. By the way, there will be horses. Okay. (laughs) Probably a dog or two behind. Now, let's go on. Let's go on. So when we got married, she said, you know, we go vacation and do stuff. And she said, "I, I like to ride a horse. I'm going, really? <laughs> Never been on a horse. And so one time I just let her ride it, and she had some friends. They rode the horse. I just wait in the car. But the next time she says, I want you to go with me. I said, okay. So I can't we, we, I was trying to remember last night when I talked to her. I can't remember exactly where that was because it was a long time ago, like 40 years ago. So I said, okay. So here I am, and we go out there, and, you know, they give you a horse. And they give me this horse that's like three times as big as me. I'm saying, how the heck do I get up on this horse? And I finally get on the horse, and I look back, and my wife's behind me. And, you know, somebody goes, here we go. Well, my horse had to have five cups of coffee that morning. <laughs> and I'm looking back. I'm saying, Help! help. Where's the break? Where's the break? Do you pull something? What do you do? I do nothing. And I look back in my wife's horse. I'm like saying, I'll never see you again. 
I don't know where this idiot's going. And eventually, I still don't remember how I got off it. I really don't. He would not stop. And my wife would not go. And I said to God, God, you do all things well. You put me on the wrong horse. He's probably laughing in heaven. You say, well, well, that's ridiculous, Pastor Mark. Well, at least I have a little experience. I'm not worried now. You know why? Because I'll have a new body. I'll be riding on a horse, and I can say to that horse, in the name of Jesus, stop. (laughs) Right there. Right there. So we're going to be on a horse. Get used to it. Get used to it. Okay. Now, think about this. Why did it say we're going to be riding on a white horse dressed in fine linen, white and clean? When you're going to battle, you're putting a white linen, clean uniform on? What's up with that? Why not the army uniforms? Why not the boots? Well, Look at verse 15 is the answer. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword, Jesus. It's not a mental sword. You'll get it. With which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. The sharp sword in Christ's mouth means that Jesus will speak a word or a sentence of words that will destroy the earth's armies by his divine power. Now, that makes kind of no sense to us. How can you win a war by saying words or a word? Let me read this verse for you. The Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. He breathed the word, and all the stars were born. Remember, at creation, God said, stars, whoop, created. Water, created. Earth, created. By what? A word. So think about how powerful God's words are. I mean, have you ever said, well, come into existence. I'll take a Mazda. Some of you say, well, if you're going to do that, just ask for a Mercedes. What the heck's wrong with you? (laughs) Have you ever said the word and it came into being? No. You could say a word and it will come into being, but that's with your marriage problems. I don't have time to go there today. (laughs) But none of us could make anything come into being. None of us. Ever, ever, ever. What does Jesus do? One word. The battle's over. Everybody dies. That's impossible for us to understand. But notice what this book is. It's powerful than any two-edged sword. See, it has power. So what does that mean for us? Remember, we're the army with Jesus. What does that mean? It just means this. This is why kind of we got into the book of Revelation because of 2 Thessalonians. Look at this verse. And then the lawless one, the Antichrist, will be revealed whom the Lord will overthrow with the what? The breath of his mouth. With a word. And destroy by the splendor of his coming. Here's why our white outfits will stay perfectly clean. Because when the battle happens, we are 
observers. Who's doing the fighting? Only one person, Jesus. Is that amazing? We're watching it. And Jesus, with the word of his mouth, boop! What a war. What an ending. What a powerful God we have. And when I was thinking about this, studying it this week, even the final battles are the Lord's. We see all through scripture, when you and I are fighting things and we try to get it solved in our own wisdom, does that work? Never. And so what do we learn from A to Z in the Bible? The battle is the Lord's. You just depend on him. So here we are. The whole world is coming. You'll see how that comes in a moment. And what does he do? Just go, whoop, and they're all gone. So we're there. We're still white because we haven't done a thing. And he has blood because the deaths will be there. Now, where will Jesus return to? Look at Zechariah 14, verse 3. Then the Lord will go out and fight against the nations, the nations of the world, as he fights in the day of battle. Now, here's your answer. Look at verse 4. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem. And the Mount of Olives will be split in two. There's a fissure underneath that. We even know that today. From east to west, forming a great valley with half of the mountain, the mountain, moving north and half moving south. Wow. I've been there. I've I've taught there 17 times over the years when we take groups to us. This is exactly where he's coming. Now notice, he's overlooking the city of Jerusalem. Why the city of Jerusalem? Well, number one, Israel is God's nation. Jerusalem is God's city. That's why Satan has always been after the nation of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. That's why you have a mosque there today. Satan's saying, nah, 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 nah. Uh, He didn't read chapter 19. It's going to be over. You'll see how that looks. All these physical and geographical changes will occur when Jesus comes back to the earth. Remember, his feet will be there. They will absolutely stand on the Mount of Olives. And we're told in Ezekiel 47, don't have time to go to it, but you can look at it later, Ezekiel 47, Old Testament, that when that mountain splits, a new river will flow through Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a dry city. The only way they survive is because of the water that comes from the mountains through the Sea of Galilee. That new river will flow all the way down to the Dead Sea. When we go to Israel, people like to swim in the Dead Sea. Well, you can swim there, but you have to be very careful. You you can't swim. You can only float because it's too heavy. It's 10 times more salty than normal sea. But you can't get it in your eyes. You can't get it in your mouth. But that Dead Sea, think about this, supernaturally becomes fresh water. Thanks for joining Pastor Mark today on Lessons for Living. If you'd like to hear more from this study, you can find additional teachings online now at calvaryccm.com. We know that this time in our world is uncertain, but one truth remains steadfast. God is in control. During this season, we encourage you to spend time in the Word, in prayer, and in the presence of your Creator. As with many churches across our nation, Pastor Mark and the Calvary Chapel Melbourne community 
are holding church online. The church isn't the building, it's the people who, despite whatever obstacles are in their way, still worship Jesus and praise His name. We'd love for you to join us. Visit calvaryccm.com forward slash live or join us over on Facebook, YouTube, or Roku. We'll be having services on Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. We look forward to worshiping with you in this way until we can be gathered together as the body once again. We also know how essential prayer is during this time, and we want you to know we are constantly lifting our listeners up to the Lord. Is there anything specific we can be praying about for you? Let us know by visiting our contact page at calvaryccm.com. Would you do the same for us? Please keep Pastor Mark and our church staff in your prayers, along with our nation's leaders and those affected by this virus. Thank you for praying. That's all for today. Join us again for another edition of Lessons for Living. Here